Sanders chose its words very carefully, not saying that they were closing the Lordstown plant, but rather they weren't allocating a product to the plant after March. Oh, thank God. I thought they were shutting down the plants, but I guess they're just not allocating products there anymore. I wish I could use that language when I break up with someone. Look, I'm, I'm not ending the relationship. I'm just not allocating any love for you after March. <laughs> Do, do corporate people think they're really outsmartness? They're just so much smarter than us right. that we'll fall for that sort oh, of thing. Oh, those idiot workers, they'll just keep filing. They have no idea what's happening. We're not allocating another vehicle to the plant, so we're closing. Yeah, here's a hint. Uh, we, the wage slaves of America, understand exactly what's happening, but you've piled resentment over the dishonesty mm-hmm. on top of... Mm-hmm. Any unhappiness over the actual action. Good point. Speaking for the wage slaves of America, we're not stupid. Good point. Well, some of us are. Because even though it sucks, I can deal with the reality that the car I'm building at this plant doesn't sell well. Right. And what are you going to do? Right. But I shouldn't have to deal with you lying about the verbiage of what's happening. Cleverly trying to mislead through your verbal jujitsu. Because you think I'm stupid. Right. Wow, that's just insulting. Yeah. Man, I hate that. I really do. So, uh, listen, we we tweeted about this. We mentioned it last hour. Give us just a moment to pay tribute to uh, Dominic Brasha, who used to work on the Armstrong and Getty show for about two and a half, three years. It was a notable period. He was a wildly colorful guy, incredibly creative, smart, talented, buttoned up, organized, energetic. If I had... 10% 10% of his best qualities in my life would be so much better. Yeah. He was really an amazing guy in a lot of ways. Um, he was also the craziest person we have ever known. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, which is its own interesting life lesson. You know, I'd, I'd read a lot about uh, people who, you know, are as troubled as him and, and known people who knew people. But until you interact with somebody like that, you have no idea what it's like. Yeah, I, I summarize the experience with Dominic as being he was incredibly creative and impressive and dangerous. Um, and, and he was a famous, semi-famous child actor. He was in some big movies. Hey, he directed some movies. He, he was in Hollywood for a long time. Uh, he was very, very bright. He was allegedly the lover of a teenage Corey Haim when he was an adult. Um, you can Google it on the Internet. It's all over the place. Um, Corey Haim's mom talks about it, and Charlie Sheen, and I mean, it's he's tied into that whole thing. And you, you can Haim read that stuff and decide for yourself. Later became very confused, drugs, alcohol, uh, promisc- promiscuous sex, and, and committed suicide, and some people uh, think, you know, that was the fault of Dominic. I I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, we didn't know any of that until after he'd left, by the way. Um, and if you were, weren't listening last hour, the long and short of why he, he left, how he, he was threatening to sue everybody. Over everything. Just claiming discrimination of one sort or another, even as he was like aggressively denying being one sort or another of a person, it was just, it was madness. Um, he lived a mile and a half from the radio station and programmed it into his GPS every single day to have the computer tell him how to get home. Fascinating guy. It doesn't really matter how far you live away. If you drive the same place every day, you don't 
<laughs> think eventually you get the yeah the whole route down. Yeah. But the fact that he lived <laughs> that all- frees up processing power for the clever ruse you pull on Chipotle employees <laughs> on a daily basis. But the fact yes. that you you know you're a you're a couple of drivers in a five iron away from the radio station and you use GPS every day yeah. to get there and back, and then the, to the movie theater, which was right next to the radio station. Right, and he actually did. Yeah. Is hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was what, a, what an interesting guy. <laughs> I just rode go- with him once. It was about a mile away from here, and the scariest ride I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so listen, he he also talked with remarkable honesty about his childhood, or we think it was remarkable honesty. I I believed it. The stuff he said. Uh, me too. Um, his bizarre and troubling childhood, which given his bizarre and troubling adulthood is, you know, it fits. But here's one of the stories he told us. Do you have that handy, Michael? You told us a little bit about you thought you had a normal upbringing and you gave us some insight as to your not completely normal upbringing. Right. You told a story about something your mom once did to you. That we hadn't heard on this show, and I thought it was a pretty extraordinary story. Oh, and I wonder if you'd be willing to share that, or would you, would you rather not? Yeah, no, I, I, I talk about it. I even talked about it when she this was is, alive. This is pretty extraordinary. She was really upset at me, really upset at me, and so I was standing next to the refrigerator, and she couldn't take it anymore. I was such a rotten kid that she... How old she, were you? Nine, maybe? That she grabbed me by the neck and she started choking me. And when she was choking me, she she lifted me up off the ground. So I remember this is odd because I was being pushed up against the refrigerator and my feet went off the ground. And she was choking me. And then she realized that she was killing me. So she stopped and I fell back to the ground. And I kept on choking because she had pushed something inside of me oh, God. that made it... So she starts screaming, I stopped! I stopped! You should be breathing! God, I stopped! I stopped! And then after a couple of seconds, I was able to breathe again. But um, I still think I was a normal childhood. You know, my mom was just a little dramatic. And then didn't she oh. hold a knife up to you, too? No, she would hold it. When I was a really bad kid and she couldn't take it, Dominic was just too bad. She said, I can't take it, God, I can't take it. And she used to take a big butcher knife, unlock the front door, and stand with the butcher knife pressed against the door, and the pointy edge pressed against her stomach. And she said, God, if you want me to die now, please, I can't do it myself. Let someone come in. And she would stand there. And then she... <laughs> and I, oh, my God. Wow. I would say, Mommy, please don't die. She goes, well, you're a bad kid. You're a bad boy. Please, oh, Mommy, I'll be good. I'll be good. And she'd bring you to orphanages and try to shove yeah. you out of the car. Yeah, that's, that sounds I, delightful. I got to tell you guys, I love her more than anything. When she was sick, I took care of her. I, I, I fed her. I showered her. I love Stockholm her more syndrome. than anything. I got to tell you, I don't <laughs> think it was that bad. That is the most amazing story with the butcher knife and the up against the stomach. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is astonishing. My kid is so bad. I want to. I want to kill myself. And you're and you're standing there as a little kid. Right. God dang it. But That's, she couldn't kill uh, herself because she. We, you go to hell as Catholics. We believe you go to hell if you kill yourself. So she wanted somebody to somebody come in else the door to come in the and, door, and shove the knife right. into her belly in front of her child while you're watching. <laughs> and 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 do, do you think there's any chance that may be connected somewhat to your quirky personality? Well, you know what? I'm not in jail. I've never killed anybody. I, if I, I think I'm a good person. So all I would in agree all, with those things. All in all, uh, they did pretty good. Uh, you know, they had trouble. Jury's still out on the third one, but go on. Sorry, <laughs> I was an only child. She didn't know how to deal with me. I was, I was, you know, I was a pain. So this is what she, you know, she couldn't take it. Sometimes. Do you think you were more of a pain than the average child? 
Because all children are a bit of a pain. You mm. should have seen me. <laughs> no, I think I was. I think I was. I was. I, you know, I was the only child. I was always acting. Uh, I'd come home from school and tell her everything that happened in my day and acted out for well, her. She'd if my kid did that, so she'd I'd stab herself. <laughs> yeah, or or choke him so hard he uh, stopped breathing for a Maybe while. Maybe she yeah. just got sick of Shirley Temple, Dominic. <laughs> yeah, she made me do my act. Shirley Temple. It was. It was. It was a great upbringing. I really think it, uh, a few little bumps, but it was great. That is an extraordinary story. I actually think the night story is better. Than the choking story, but that's just my personal opinion. Oh, they're opinion. both uh, pretty quote good. Wow! Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, because uh, that's interesting. I'm not ashamed of it. Well, this is, why would you be ashamed of it? There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's it is what it is. So that, that is amazing. Dominic also told us on the air that he slept in his mother's bed with her until he was 16 was it or something like that you know older teenager his dad slept in his bed and he slept with his mother i mean he literally slumbered um and i meant that what i said at the air there's no reason if you had if your parents were like that you shouldn't be ashamed of it oh no the shame is not yours although his level of denial and or not I've known a well, bunch. Well, he uh, maybe he did deal with it, but not being willing to admit that he was dealing with heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, I I've known a number of people in this situation, and it it's another one of those human nature things, apparently. Because I've known no no a couple of people they they'll tell me at various times stories of things their mom or dad did, just horrible stuff, like they should be in jail stuff. And then they'll talk about just I love him so much, and I think you just told me the other day about how he used to. Yeah, it's just apparently a thing the way we're built. Well, as I slipped in during the conversation, sounds like Stockholm syndrome to me. I mean, so anyway, that just Dominic was an unbelievable guy. He was such a great producer in a lot of ways. I mean, if we like did an event or or went somewhere, he would have every detail, technical, logistical, travel, everything nailed down, and then he'd come up with some great idea for what we ought to do on the air. I mean, he's fabulous. And completely nuts, um, unfortunately. I'm oh. the richer for having known him, I will tell you that, without any doubt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, it could have it could have gotten a, it could have gone the wrong way it could have been we could have had our careers ended over it yeah oh yeah I mean because there's yeah so the way it turned out definitely I'm better for having known somebody who, and then who back had to blacksmithery. And if you're just tuning in, our old producer Dominic died this week. It appears of natural causes, but um, I had one other thing I wanted to throw in the, on this. Oh, I'll always resent this about Dominic. Dominic, if you're looking down from oh, he was a very religious guy, mm-hmm. uh, practicing Catholic religious guy. Dominic, if you're looking down from I'll always be mad about this. I think you were there, Michael. It was Dominic, Michael, Vince. I don't know if there's somebody else invited me to the Super Bowl party at Dominic's house. Oh, that's right. And I'll always resent this. Because I was so uncool, I guess. We all hung around, watched the game. It was kind of boring. I left. And then you started smoking pot and having fun. (laughs) After I left. Right, the old man's gone. The party started once I left. Thank God he left. (laughs) Now let's get it on. Let it be known that I didn't smoke. I just sat there and prayed for the others. That's right. Good. God bless you, Michael. Speaking, speaking of angering God, Chinese scientists claim to have genetically altered a pair of twin girls. Oof. Is this Pandora's box opening wide? The details from Carolyn Johnson of the WAPO in a moment or two. Huge story coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Conscience 
of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. People who remember our late producer, Dominic, are uh, texting a variety of things. His uh, sport reports that were hilarious because he didn't follow sports at all. At all. Very, very funny. And uh, one more thing I want to throw in. We just got this text. Um, Dominic is one of the most, the most memorable voices and storytellers I've ever heard on the radio ever. There's no doubt about that. An amazing guy. No doubt. So an amazing announcement made the other day at a scientific conference by a Chinese uh, scientist. That Might be the had, end of humankind. Well, okay, all right, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But he announced that he had successfully uh, spliced genes and uh, produced two viable fetuses, twin girls. And Carolyn Johnson, who's health and business reporter for the Washington Post, joins us now to discuss the shocking announcement. Hello, Carolyn, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, great. Me. Well, thanks for uh, taking a couple of minutes. So, did anybody? Oh, uh, for folks who didn't follow my uh, rather, uh, you know, uh, shoddy description, what was announced by whom? Uh, a Chinese scientist who uh, is not a household name. Uh, he goes by J.K. Hay. Announced that he had edited the embryos of two baby girls and implanted them successfully, carried a pregnancy to term, and created the first genetically edited babies in in the world. Uh, and it came as a complete shock uh, to the entire scientific community, which has been very excited about these new tools that allow you to edit genes that have a lot of promise for medicine. Um, but also raise a lot of concerns about things like designer babies and eugenics and stuff like that. So, um, so he basically took everyone by surprise. And late last night uh, in the U.S., he defended his work before a large scientific audience. Now, there's a lot of the scientific community that doubts that he actually did this, and he hasn't provided any proof. But just for the sake of the argument, let's assume that he did. What is the main, almost universal fear of the scientific community? Well, these tools allow people to edit the genome. The same way you might edit a Word document, you could fix a gene that's broken, which has an amazing kind of potential, or you could, you know put in a more desirable trait or something like that, you know, theoretically. So what they've, why, the reason this is kind of makes people really uncomfortable is that it's tinkering with the human species in a way that we really haven't before. Because if you edit an embryo and then implant it and create babies, those changes that you made and any unintentional changes that might have been introduced in the process are going to be passed down to their offspring. And you've edited that line of evolution forever. And after hundreds of thousands of years of various people coming together and and things happening in a natural way that we don't understand, we decided as scientists to change that line forever. And nobody knows what will happen. Yeah. Basically, they feel that the technology, though very exciting, and which could have a profound effect on some terrible fatal diseases like um, you know, cystic fibrosis or rare genetic diseases that are uh, that are just fatal and have no cure or even treatment. So there's excitement because they could have profound beneficial effects. But the idea that you would do it now when the tools are still 
fairly, there's still not consensus on which, you know, which disease you should go after um, and what are the unintended effects that might be introduced to these kids or to their future progeny. I I would love to hear a a learned description of how they're trying to figure out what those unintended effects might be, because you're talking about uh, over time and many generations, what those effects might be. And I understand how you can experiment with fruit flies or, or amoeba or whatever else, but in something as complicated as a human being, that's got to be enormously difficult. Carolyn Johnson's online from the Washington Post. So what is the level of belief or disbelief that this Chinese scientist actually uh, spliced those human genes? Well, people... If you were to give it like a letter him. grade, <laughs> how, how strong is the belief that he's legit? Well, people believe that he's probably done the work he said he did and i so far i haven't heard you know allegations of outright fraud although everything remains to be seen it's a very fluid situation but whether or not you know it was successful whether or not the 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 edits that he made to these embryos were intended to make these twin girls immune to hiv so there's really no way of testing that unless you you know begin to expose you know they're at this point, to know whether it worked. Um, and That'd be a heck of an experiment. (laughs) So there's just a a lot of questions on a lot of levels about, you know, what he's really done. He did try and present the scientific data last night, um, but, you know, it's really hard with an experiment like this. People have to have time to really dig deep into it and not kind of after a 20-minute presentation declare whether or not it's credible. And also because he's keeping the identities of these girls secret, which is very standard in medical research and, you know, is understandable. But in this case, it's just going to create a lot of other problems because people will want to know if it's true. (laughs) It's really really hard to know how they're going to even um, verify it. And it should be said also, like, the Chinese uh, institutions that he's affiliated with have started to really distance themselves from him and announce really? investigations into mm. his work. And um, it's it's just very murky what to believe or not to believe. So I think scientists aren't sure what to believe, but what they what is for sure true is that like this has forced the discussion um, on this technology. This convention, this summit that he's at, was intended for people around the world to discuss the appropriateness of like using these technologies. and Well, they sure are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Carolyn, real quickly, uh, what, what, what name does he go by again? He sounds like a music DJ. Uh, Dr. Hay, John, John Cooey Hay. But it's like, so, uh, say, hey, uh, Jay, right, or something like that? <laughs> what, what did you say he goes by? Oh, I think J.K. His, uh, it's like kind of the initial. J.K. Hay. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. Right. Carolyn Johnson of the Washington Post, really illuminating. Carolyn, thanks a million. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. You got it, yeah. And, and part of the point should be that whether he did it or not, somebody is going to do it. She might as well have the conversations now. I'm surprised he wasn't chased out like at Pitchfork Point with torches and axe handles and a howling mob. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Uh, home sales plummeting in the West and around the country. What? Number of illegals in the U.S. may surprise you, and the FDA fast-tracks approval for a very promising new cancer drug. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a promise.
watch this after the news for Joe and me, because I haven't seen it. I'm only read about it. The giant cow video. We, it's another outsized animal Wednesday. <laughs> we need to get to the giant cow video at the very end of the news. Also, I want Joe to determine whether it's real or not. Also, as we continue to remember our ex-producer, uh, Dominic Brasha, who passed away uh, uh, far too young uh, recently, uh, a couple of quick memories. Well, one, we should one talk colleague. About- yes. We should talk about speaking of his too young. We should speak. We should talk about when he gave his age in that oh, meeting yeah, we were in there one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a Hollywood guy. Uh, one colleague pointed out that it often seemed as if he thought it was the Dominic Brasha show featuring Armstrong and Getty. He was an aggressive self-promoter, sure. Um, uh, but also, uh, somebody reminded me of the day when he pretty much demanded the right to hug your wife. Oh, and right. you were having none of it. Oh, right. That <laughs> was that. super creepy. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah, just uncomfortable. <laughs> I had completely forgotten <laughs> oh, that. Oh, boy. So many memories. <laughs> was it worth it? There you go. There's there. Dominic there. Uh, news now uh, with Marsha Phillips. Well, for sales signs of the time, sales of new U.S. homes plummeted almost 9% in October as the number of newly built unsold homes sitting on the market climbed to their highest level since 2009. 2009. I remember that period in housing. Something happened. I don't know. It's fuzzy. That was <laughs> that was when the real estate market was still sorting through all the wreckage of the last decade's housing bubble. Now, new home sales have declined in four Which last- burst roughly May of 2008, where I live. I know that because I had to sell my house at that exact moment. Oh. New home sales declining in four of the last five months over the past year. Sales of new homes dropped 12% as higher mortgage rates have caused would-be buyers to back away. Metro Seattle and San Diego sales and prices dropped dramatically. In Portland, sales are reportedly soft there as well. As a guy who's bought and sold a bunch of homes and was once a partner in a real estate business, I will tell you this. Uh, national statistics are almost useless. They're not useless, but they're almost useless. Right. Everything is so local right. in real estate. And you might note that that list of places that Marshall just mentioned mm-hmm. were the places where prices had skyrocketed, extraordinary rises in housing costs, and the free market said what the free market yep. does when costs get too high. I ain't buying it for that. Yep. Boy, I've driven by a lot That's of... paraphrasing Friedrich Hayek. I've driven by a number of used-to-be fields lately, though, where they're throwing up houses, and I think, who's going to buy all those? There is a beautiful ridge right by my home. Well, it used to be a beautiful ridge. Now the top has been shaved off, and it's it's flattened and tiered and is soon going to be full of tract houses. Right. Um, so, uh, well, evidently, they're going to slap those up and try to sell them. The Senate's going to be voting on whether or not to forcefully withdraw to force the withdrawal of U.S. military support from the Saudi-led war in Yemen. That vote could come as early as today. The vote is in, uh, follows increasing conflicts with Saudi Arabia, including that of the murder of the American journalist Jamal Khashoggi the, last month. The, the absolutely morally reprehensible and wildly overrated as a global event snuffing of a single Saudi dissident. They snuff dissidents like we hold award shows in America. Happens so often you don't even notice it anymore. And again, I'm not excusing it on moral terms at all. It's horrific. Right. It's he's, horrific. He's friends with Erdogan in Turkey who kills journalists more than anybody else in the world. Right, exactly. And this is just... So to, the two things to me, this is that story, as Joe said, way overblown. The war in Yemen, yes. way underblown. Yes. 
one sure. of the worst disasters in modern history. They're coming up on if something doesn't change, the worst famine especially for children, right. in a century anywhere in the world. And yet the idea that Saudi Arabia would cede that territory to Iranian-backed militant groups, they can't, and they won't. It's complex and it's ugly. But I will tell you this, back to the Khashoggi thing. Uh, Barack Obama consorted with horrific dictators all the time. Witnesses deal with Iran, which was about right. nukes, uh, granted. But they are a horrific murderer of dissidents by the hundreds, by the thousands. The tortures, you don't want to hear about the tortures perpetrated by Iran, but Barack Obama did business with them all the time. Why? Because he has to, and he should. I'm not saying I agreed with all of his policies, but this this weeping and gnashing of teeth right. over this, this poor, dismembered son of a gun, it's just, it's unwise, it's ignorant, and it's hypocritical. Did you get the latest details on his uh, snuffing that came uh, out last week? How many details do I need? God, the blood drain in the description. Oh, boy. Holy cow. Oh, golly. Turns out the number of immigrants living in the U.S. illegally reached a 12-year low in 2016, according to the Pew Research Center. They say this continues a decade-long decline, during which their numbers fell from an estimated 12 million down to 10.5 million uh, people. God, that's an ins- Those numbers are probably low. How I always wonder this, and so does everybody else. How the hell do you count how many illegals are in a country? Exactly. You can't. That number is still extraordinary high. It's extraordinarily high. I mean, you shouldn't tolerate that. No. Well, virtually no other country on Earth does. Of course not. The FDA is approving a breakthrough cancer drug that could have a major impact in how doctors treat more than a dozen cancers. Dr. David Hyman of Memorial Sloan Kettering led the research on the new drug called Lerotrictinib. Lerotrictinib. You can figure out at the genetic level what makes a cancer tick, what's driving its growth. And if you have a drug that effectively intervenes on that, then you can see dramatic and almost immediate responses. Doctors said patients saw tumors disappear often within days. Oh my God. Wow. He, he adds a new drug is based on genetics, as you just heard, including 17 different malignancies, which include lung and breast cancer. Yeah, well, that'd be something. Now, I am all for, as anybody would be, of coming up with drugs that can fight cancer once you got it. But getting back to the the conversation about editing genes, we don't know that if you edited genes in such a way that that person couldn't get cancer, maybe cancer plays a role that we don't understand. Yeah, that's funny. We ran out of time in our interview with the uh, WAPO reporter, but we were discussing earlier how this could easily be the unleashing of the dinosaur moment for humanity. If indeed we're messing with genes and producing children whose genes have been right. altered. Because, you know, it reminds me of like in the uh, the 1700s that they were beginning to get an inkling that pathogens, diseases were often bloodborne. And, and they were right. And so they would cut holes in your feet and drain your blood yeah, out of you. Yeah, Khashoggi. Literally, <laughs> literally knowing just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. And I can so easily picture 100 years down the line or whatever, shame-faced scientists saying what we didn't understand was the interaction between, you know, enzymes that are produced through the gen- and blah, blah. And, and we didn't realize that by altering the genetic code, we would unleash a multiplying right. effect with, and, you know, who knows? God knows. I'm not a biologist, but. That's, that's really easy to picture if you've read it all about sure. the history of science. And what happens in the next ge- couple of generations when you get a gene-edited human 
mating with another gene-edited human and they get together, nobody has any idea what happens then. And I hope it's all okay. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not pitching doomsday scenarios. My, for... my, my money's on nature over uh, thousands of years, though, and evolution right. over right. us trying to manipulate it. Playing yeah. God, if you will. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> I played doctor as a child, but I will not play God. And then you've got this. I mean, if you really want to get in it deep, and we only have a, a little bit of time, yeah. but you look at a guy like Stephen Hawking. You know, so if I had the opportunity to edit the genes, the embryo of my kids, so they they don't get Lou Gehrig's disease, I'm probably going to do it. Mm-hmm. But is Stephen Hawking Stephen Hawking without Lou Gehrig's disease? You saw the movie; it played a big role in his life. I I don't know. I mean, so you get into the whole playing God thing right. and the way people turn out in, in really complicated ways, right? Right. Well, it's it's heavy, sad, and uh, time-consuming, so perhaps we will uh, hit the pause button on that discussion, because it will be a, a story, you know, in the days to come, certainly. Well, it'll be the end of mankind, so... <laughs> well, according to some, <laughs> including you, apparently. So we're going to talk to a Washington Post political reporter coming up. Trump did a big interview on about every subject you can imagine yesterday with the Washington Post. What topics did he hit on? What did he say? We'll nail that down coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Donald Trump does a long, wide-ranging interview with the Washington Post. But hey, in these modern days, who's got time to read? So how about we talk to a reporter who can boil it down to us? Yeah, Aaron Blake was involved in uh, annotating the interview, as uh, I understand it. It was a sprawling and uh, wide-ranging chat, as Jack indicated. And Mr. Blake, who's a Washington Post senior political reporter, joins us now. Hello, Aaron. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks very much for spending a couple of minutes. So it is remarkable how unguarded this president is at times, isn't it? Yeah, I think every time he does one of these interviews, uh, you know, it can feel a little bit repetitive, but there's usually something new that he throws in uh, that is a little bit different than what we've seen before, almost like he's planning to do this. But I thought in this interview in particular, there were some interesting comments about how he trusts his gut, whereas other people trust their brains, and how his gut is always right. Uh, he had some more theories about how California's wildfires could be prevented. Uh, it was really just a, a, a long series of kind of disparate topics that he uh, weighed in on in ways that didn't shed a whole lot of light, but certainly uh, certainly were entertaining, I guess. Well, obviously, those of you at the Washington Post have the ability to control what questions are asked. What What topics were most important to you? Well, one of the interesting uh, topics that I think was was broached by our reporters there was uh, the president kind of uh, blaming a lot of different things for things not going right. Uh, Most notably in the interview, he was talking about how the Fed and its interest rate hikes were to blame for for not necessarily having as much economic progress as he wants right now. And one of my colleagues pushed him on this and said, you know, Harry, Harry Truman sat at that Oval Office desk and had a sign that said the buck stops here. So why are you, you know, blaming other people for for this stuff when, you know, you're the president of the United States? And and the president said uh, on multiple occasions, uh, repeatedly as he was pressed, that he's not in fact blaming anybody. Um, I think that raises the question of why he keeps bringing up, you know, this 
this uh, federal interest rate hike and, and what exactly he's trying to say with that. Uh, he seems to be sensitive to the idea that he is blaming other things and that he's not totally in control. But he's also spent a lot of time, especially in the last several months here, uh, talking about how things aren't necessarily in his control and how certain factors are working against him. Yeah, that's an interesting contrast because it's unquestionable that, that, that everybody who walks into the Oval Office uh, with that new job walks out realizing, wow, I don't have the ability to do nearly as much as I'd hoped I would. And, you know, the point of the or Federal Reserve... people Res- think I can. Well, right, exactly. And I don't want to argue the point, but the Federal Reserve's entire point in raising interest rates was to tap the brakes on the economy and economic growth so we didn't get, you know, wild levels of inflation. You can see why you wouldn't want to tap the brake on the economy, though, at least prior to November 2020. From the president's yeah. point of view. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's that's perfectly understandable to me. Uh, a lot of attention is being paid to the uh, the talk about climate change. How he just, you know, it's funny. There's been a lot of discussion of his answer. Why don't you lay out more or less the conversation? We'll go from there. Yeah. So he, he was asked basically why he doesn't accept the conclusions of uh, the you know the government report that came out on Friday. You know, his own government, the Trump administration. Why he's cast doubt upon the conclusions that are in there, and his argument wasn't necessarily to argue any of the key points or or talk about, you know, who was behind the study. He basically said, you know, I'm a smart person. I'm not going to give you the direct quote, but it's something like, I'm a smart person, and, uh, you know, I trust my gut uh, in a way that a lot of people trust their brains, but my gut is very good. Um, you know, obviously he hasn't subscribed to the, the science that exists on, on climate change and, and, you know, litigating that issue for him, he doesn't feel like is a winner. So, you know, I don't know where you go from there when you are arguing against somebody's gut. If his gut tells him that climate change is not, you know, doing the things that this report says. But I think it's maybe the most remarkable thing is here. It's another example of him uh, disagreeing with the conclusions of his own government. Uh, we saw this, of course, recently with the Jamal Khashoggi uh, CIA conclusion that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia was was, uh, you know, responsible for that. He has not subscribed to that, suggested that it's not as certain as the CIA says it is. And then, of course, also with the intelligence community, we had the Russia investigation. He spent a good portion of his presidency questioning the idea that Vladimir Putin was behind this or that Vladimir Putin favored him in the 2016 election. So it just adds to a whole lot of, of, uh, you know, information that we've seen over the last couple of years that suggests the president is, is perfectly willing to ignore things that come even out of his own administration when it's not convenient for him. Oh, and or I, I would put it to you, Aaron, that, that Trump often does his own spin room work, which is really atypical, that there are topics, for instance, the Khashoggi killing, that that Barack Obama would not have addressed at all if indeed he perceived that we have to have something like the current relationship with Saudi Arabia. And, yeah, it's incredibly inconvenient that they did what they did. I can see pre- previous presidents just passing that off. And Donald Trump, the great promoter and, and, and you know, TV personality and, and the rest of his history, thinking, you know what, I'll, I'll jump on this and say, I don't, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of doubt there. And, and that's his way of saying Listen, we have the relationship. We have to continue the relationship. It's just a wildly different style, yeah, in my opinion. It's Yeah, I think part of it, so you're talking about he, uh, he trusts his gut. He trusts his ability to massage a story more than anybody else can do it for him, which is interesting. I don't. I think it's unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I think the question from there is, you know, I, 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 I confront this question uh, many days covering this administration, which is, 
uh, is he doing this for a specific end? Does he really feel that strongly about the relationship? Or is there something else at work here? Is he just trolling us because he knows it's going to create a reaction? And then, you know, his base is going to come, you know, to his rescue and support him and believe that the media is overselling all this. I think that there's probably a little bit of both in there. Uh, But in this case, it was remarkable. Almost from the very beginning, he was laying out a roadmap for how he was going to not really do anything about this. From the very beginning, he was talking about how Khashoggi was not an American citizen. He was talking about the investment that the Saudis have made uh, in American, uh, you know, uh, arms deal and and jobs. Uh, he, He clearly set the stage for not wanting to go down this route. And so when the CIA report eventually does come out, he has kind of primed the pump for exactly what he wants his base's reaction to be and exactly how much outrage there is going to be about exa- uh, about what he's doing and what he's not doing in response to what I would say is an attack on American sovereignty. Uh, Aaron Blake, Washington Post senior political reporter. We could talk about that all day long, and I wish we could, Aaron, but I'm afraid we're out of time. But we'll have the link to your story, and well, you and your colleague's story at armstrongandgetty.com so people can read it on their own. Uh, great to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Our pleasure. I absolutely agree with Trump on two out of the three examples he gave. Yeah. The the climate change economy story is freaking stupid. You can't predict economics 80 years out. No, That's just ridiculous. dumb. His approach to Khashoggi is 100% right. Um, the why he denies Russia's involvement in the election, that one I don't get. Yeah, I'm a little mystified by that one, too. But, um, yeah, yeah. Trump is wildly unconventional, but often at the end of the day, like the Saudi Arabia thing, he's right. You can't chuck that relationship. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.